This is so awesome. Uh, I'm doing a pano, okay, because I got to social media this, our brand new 1230 service, and uh, you guys are here, and the place is rocking. Slow down. You slow down. Right there, baby. Yeah, you, you know when you take a pano, and you take a picture, and you raise your hands in the middle of it? It's going to make it look like your hand's coming out of somebody's head, and it's all, it'll be fun. Look for that in just a minute on social media. I'm so excited to have you here. Happy New Year, and also with you, whatever. I'm just, I'm psyched that you're here. We opened up this new service this weekend. Uh, I'll tell you more about that along the way. If you're new, uh, I am uh, Tim. I'm I'm the senior pastor here. My wife and I have been here for 26 years, and I've never been more excited about a new year than I am right now. I've never been more excited to invite you to, uh, to, to church. I really am. I want to welcome our online uh, people watching online, uh, um, welcoming our Homer campus. You guys, we had 1,800 people at the grand opening of our Homer campus in Homer Glen. So awesome. And you're like, oh, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Last year, they had 900 at the Lockport campus, okay? So we basically doubled it. That's what happened. And, and, and just by opening this up, and uh, they've done a great job over there in two months making things happen. Christmas Eve service went really well. I'm guessing most of you probably got to one of them. Um, but it's fun to know that we're influencing other people now. Um, I don't know if you heard about this priest in the Philippines who uh, did the final blessing on a hoverboard. Just, just look. You're not even believing me. He really did. I don't, I don't know if he you know, watched our service and thought, well, I'm going to try something different. But um, one way or another, he got in trouble with the archdiocese. That's, uh, you know, that's the bottom line. Um, and all I can say is, it's a good thing we ain't got no archdiocese, you know? Because this is a clip of our Christmas Eve service. It was way rowdier than that. All of that is available online. If you want to share it with your friends, let them know how weird we are. I love that. I, re- I really want them to know that um, because I think, I mean, there, there's a, I, we could go to hell for, you know, putting Star Wars music together with, you know, with Christmas carols like we did, but, but I'm pretty sure that God's smiling down because it was Jesus' birthday and we had a party. And you want to know what kind of a party we had? 24,000 people came to one of our Christmas Eve services. 24,000. That's 3,000 more than last year, which was a record last year. 3,000 more people. That, if put, put it into perspective, that is 3,000 more people than the average attendance at a baseball game at U.S. Cellular Field. Okay? It's not as many as the average attendance at Wrigley because people weren't drunk enough yet, but still, okay? <laughs> Um, what, what I know is we added a service at Orland, we added a service and a lot of room at Homer, and we still ended up with people in the overflow, so I apologize if you had to sit you know, in, the, in the kids' area or in the chapel or whatever. Um, we tried, and we'll keep trying, and we'll figure it out. It's awesome. Uh, I'm thankful to God. Here's a perspective, okay? We started doing Christmas Eve services in the early 90s when we were in a 250-seat auditorium over in a small church over in Tenley, and in the first few years, we just have one service service, and we would, at the end of the service, I'm, I, I'm looking at some people that I know were there, at the end of the service, we would get up and we would form a circle around the auditorium and light each other's candles. One service, that many people. 
I don't know. That's what God has done between then and now. I don't know where you find a place where 24,000 people can stand in a circle and, and light each other's candles. I don't even know if that exists around here. But that's what God has done. And I'm just thankful to God for what he's done. I'm thankful to my amazing team who has done so much work to make all those things happen and adding a service over here and transitioning Homer in two months and all the things. And I'm thankful to you because you invited people. I asked you to and you invited people and, and it worked. And um, I hope that more people are going to find a relationship with their Heavenly Father. I'm also thankful to uh, my daughter for having a baby this year who could be baby Jesus that didn't spit up on me because last year's daughter had a baby who did spit up on me when, she was ba- when he was baby Jesus. This one didn't. Had a great time uh, having the family in and around. They're still around a little bit. Speaking of inviting, um, I, want to, uh, I want to let you know, in case you don't, we have Matt Forte coming the 23rd, 24th of January. All right? Why would we do that? I mean, he's coming. He's going to do an interview format with me. And uh, at this service, he will be here. We're not going to be doing like autographs and all that kind of stuff because we won't be able to do that. But, but I want you to be thinking about who, who are your neighbors, who are your friends, who are like, eh, you talk about your dumb church, I don't care, they're weird, I don't need a church, but I would love to go hear Matt Forte, because I'm a Bears fan, I want to go hear what Matt Forte has to say. Invite them to come that weekend, that's going to that's gonna be a big deal for us. So, as Christmas is over, it's time to get practical, right? You know, New Year's resolutions, all those things. You know the wise men came after the Christmas story. I mean, if you were going to put your nativity scene together in the, in the right frame, um, the wise men would actually like be down the mantle a little bit because they were still on their way. Um, but they were wise men, so they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If they were wise women, they would have brought diapers, casseroles, and lots of formula because they would have been practical, right? I'm going to start a new series uh, next week, and, I, and, and it's going to be very practical, and we're going to help you figure out how to, how to live your life. But as we start into the new year, I wanted to give you this one message. It's one passage of Scripture that I found this year. I've preached it in Africa. I've preached it to my staff, but I haven't done it here. And it's something that I wanted to get you started on the new year with. So I'm really glad that you're here, and we're able to do this. I, I love the image of the, you know, the new year baby you know, and the diapers, and you know, it's like, okay, it's time for us to start anew. Isn't this wonderful? But the truth is, I mean, yeah, I mean, all you did was change calendars. I mean, the New Year's isn't a deal where you wake up on January 1st all fresh and new, right? Usually you wake up on January 1st and you realize, oh man, last night I I have a headache, right? I should have celebrated with New York City's, you know, New Year's at 11 o'clock and gone to bed instead of waited up until 12 o'clock. I ate, I drank too much, whatever. And now here's the new year and I got to start back into it. And the truth is when you go back to the office, your desk is not going to be clean. Your inbox is not going to be empty. Your laundry is not going to be done. All the things, there's not a, there's not a, it's not like a clean slate and we start all over again. So if you're kind of feeling a little bit anxious because you know that the new year could present some obstacles, this sermon is for you. And, and we all know that there are going to be. You look back on this year, we know that. There's some obstacles. So what, what do we do? This is a story 
Some history, all right, from the Old Testament. This is God's people, the children of God, have been split into two kingdoms because they didn't follow God. God let them be, you know, taken away to other lands, and they're in two kingdoms right now, Israel and Judah. They're both the people of God. They're just split up, all right? They're the north and the south back during the Civil War. Still, you know, kind of a part of each other, but they don't like each other. They don't get along real well. Judah has a really good king. Israel has a marginal king. Not really great, but not as bad as his parents were, Ahab and Jezebel, if you know those names. He's a little bit better than that, but these are all the people of God, okay? Now, these two guys have a problem, and it's over here. It's a, it's a nation called Moab. Moab, they're the, they're the pagans. They're the people who do not follow God at all, and they, uh, they are the enemies, all right? And the, the, the people of God know that the Moabites are getting ready to come and to attack them. All right. So what do they do? Well, they decide to come up with a plan. And here's what I want to help you with in the very first of the year. The very first thing you should be doing right now is, as you think about 2016, is ask yourself, evaluate the enemy. What enemy might bring me down in 2016? As soon as I say that, you, you probably have some kind of an idea. Maybe it has something to do with your health. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe, you know, maybe it's financial, I, I, any kind of number of things. What is it that might bring me down in 2016? Evaluate that. And then go on the offensive. These two guys get together and they form an alliance. Even though they don't agree with each other really well, they know that there's a bigger enemy out there. And they actually even invite in another kingdom, Edom, which is also, which is also like Moab. They don't follow God at all, but because there's this common enemy, these three kings of Orient are getting together to, uh, to, to go on the offensive against Moab because they know that Moab is going to come and attack them. Which, to me, means the second part of this story that's important to us is you should estimate your potential. What do you have to work with? And here's what may happen in 2016. You may have to work with people that you disagree with to defeat a larger enemy. Caveat, okay? I'm not saying, don't make more of this than I'm, than I'm trying to say. I am not saying that, you know, you should just go marry somebody even though their value system isn't the same as yours uh, to defeat the common enemy of loneliness. Okay. I'm not saying go into business with someone who has a different value system than you so that you can defeat the common enemy of debt. The Bible tells us don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't be yoked together. What, what fellowship does light have with darkness? However... There are likely to be some situations you're going to find yourself in this year where you are going to need to work with people that you don't like, you don't agree with, in order to defeat a common enemy. The series that we're starting next week, I'm going to start this next week, is How to Love a Vampire, okay? How to love the people who suck the life out of you. And the more I've been thinking about it, the more we've been talking about it, everybody's got those people in your life. You, you might be married to that person, okay? You, you might have them in your family, but more importantly, you probably have them at the office. They might be your boss. And yeah, you might need to quit. You might need to go find someplace else to work. But maybe God wants you to go ahead and work with them to the best of your potential so that you can defeat a larger enemy out there. So evaluate your enemy, what, what's going to attack you, estimate your potential, right? This is what they did. Estimate your potential and, and see what there is to work with out there, okay? Here's the story. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. The three kings got together and they marched out to go attack Moab. And they marched on a roundabout route for seven days 
And then there was no more water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. Okay? They got a problem. Right? Roundabout route. Let me translate that for you. They ran around in circles. You know, they couldn't, fi- they couldn't find the enemy. They, you know, they underestimated how far they had to go. Their iPhone died, and you know, they had no directions. I don't know what happened, but they were running around in circles. Seriously, I was at this point, I was thinking, you know, I, I was going to just insert the little line, you know, like they were led by men, and they wouldn't stop and ask for directions. And then I realized that nobody under 30 would have any idea what I'm talking about. I mean, it dawned on me, you know, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even know. We didn't have GPS until like 10, 12, 14 years ago. You guys, do you understand this? Young people, can I explain this to you? Back, back in my day, when, when you were going somewhere, the only way you could know how to get somewhere was you had this big piece of paper, and, and, and it came folded up really nicely, but you could never fold it back that nicely. So it was usually just wadded up and shoved in the glove compartment. You couldn't get anything else in there because the map, that's what it was called. It was called a map. And you shoved it in the glove compartment. And, and whenever you were lost, you could pull out the map and you could go, okay, well, I see where everything is. The problem was you had no idea where you were. You had no idea whatsoever. So if you were lost... You were supposed to, according to your wife, stop and ask for directions. That's all you could do, okay? But no self-respecting guy ever did that. Right, guys? Because we knew where we were. That, maybe that was the problem. I don't know. They found themselves running around in circles for seven days. That's, that's another interesting part. It's seven days, Okay. Um, what does that mean? That doesn't necessarily mean seven days. You've got to understand symbolism in the Bible. Seven was the number of completion. What this means is they marched around in circles until they were done. Okay, remember when Jesus was asked, how many times should I forgive m- my brother? And Jesus said, 70 times seven. He wasn't literally saying when you get to 491, you can punch him in the head. He was saying infinity. That was the symbolism for infinity. That's the way that they talked back there. Okay, so, so what, they, what this verse says, a roundabout way for seven days, what this means is they ran around in circles until they couldn't go on any longer. They had this dream of, of taking down the enemy. They had this dream that we're going to work together even though we don't like each other. We're going to work together and we're going to defeat the enemy. Which brings me to another thing that's likely to happen as we head into this new year. Don't give up because you may have to work past the point where you feel like you want to quit. What this passage is saying is they, they found themselves in a situation where they were literally going to drop down and, and, and just die. That's what they felt like. They had no more water. They marched around in circles. They were done. And that may be where you're at. Let's take this back to you, okay? Nobody makes a New Year's resolution based on something they haven't already tried before. Nobody does that. Oh, I'm going to lose some weight. You know, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to start reading my Bible. It's not like you, you just were like, oh, I never thought of this. I should try this. Probably, whatever that enemy is that's out there in 2016, it's probably an enemy that was there in 2015, 2014. It's probably an enemy that you've done battle with before. And maybe you're looking at this new year and you've evaluated the enemy. You know it's there. You've estimated your potential and the people that you have to work with and the things that you have to work with. 
and you're at the seven-day point. You're just like, I can't do this anymore. Don't quit. Don't give up. They're out of water. It's the end of the line if something doesn't happen. So what do they do? They, they called out to God. Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? One of the servants said, Elisha is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Let me explain this a little bit, all right? Um, For one thing, they couldn't just pray like now because we have a new covenant because of Jesus. We can pray and ask God and he will answer our prayers. So they needed a prophet. So they're like, are there any prophets around? And, And somebody says, well, yeah, there's this one guy. His name is Elisha. He was the apprentice to Elijah, all right? Here's your history. Elijah was the big deal prophet, okay? Called down fire from heaven against the prophets of Baal, did all kinds of unbelievable things. He was the guy who, who really was the, 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 the big spiritual leader of the children of God, and everybody loved him. As a matter of fact, he was so close to God that when it was time for him to die, God didn't let Elijah die. God sent angels And they swooped down in a chariot of fire, and they grabbed Elijah, and they took him to heaven. I'm probably not going to get that. You know, just a heart attack from eating bacon, all over. That's how, you know, it's going to be for me. It's It's all good. I get that. That's how cool Elijah was. Who was Elisha? Elisha was his water boy. It literally says he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. He's literally the guy squirting Gatorade into the mouth of the, you know, of, of, the, of the great quarterback. Nobody cares about him. Now, he turns out to be the Aaron Rodgers to the Brett Favre later on in his own right. But right now, all they know him as is the second string guy. So Jehoshaphat's like, is there a prophet around? Well, we got second string Elisha. Let's call him. So Elisha shows up. He's not happy about the water boy reference at all. I know you're picturing Adam Sandler right now. It's okay. Go with it. It's okay. And he does not like the, the, the marginal king of Israel at all. So here's Elisha with some attitude. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the good king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. (laughs) It's kind of a snippy little prophet. (laughs) But now bring me a harpist. You're reading along and you're, uh, you know, reading the Bible in a year, and you get to this point, and you're like, what in the world does that mean? What he's saying is, this is so great. I I love this passage. He's saying, I don't like you. I don't need you. I don't want to get along with you. I don't care about you. But I'm going to hear from God because of this other guy. So give me some mood music. I need somebody to turn on the Pandora, you know, to the music to hear from God station. And evidently it works because while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. So, So I'm reading this. I'm thinking, well, maybe... Maybe my prayer life would be better if I had a little harpist, okay? And I don't know if you know this or not, but in the, in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word for harp is fender, which literally means electric guitar, fender, fender, ba-dum-bum, so, so I asked my harpist, Johnny, whose birthday is today, happy birthday, harpist, um, I, I asked him... I want us to hear from God right now. So I said, hey, Johnny, why don't you play us a little music to hear from God, okay? Okay. 
Hey, Johnny, John, 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 Johnny, that, that sounded like Freebird, okay? Did somebody yell Freebird? I, 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 don't, I don't really think that's music to hear from God. I mean, I love that solo, and, I, and you're playing it at my funeral. Don't forget that. But, but is there something else maybe to hear from God? Okay, now we're talking. Little Zeppelin to hear from God. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. I don't think it worked, Johnny. You should, you should go. Get out of here. We're done. Let's hear it for Johnny, everybody. Make this... <clears throat> Uh, make this valley full of ditches? Okay, if you're reading along in the new NIV version, not the 84, but the 2011 version, it doesn't have this in here for some reason. They had translation problems because I went back and looked at this. In the original language, there is a, there's a verb in there that literally says, go do something. You need to do something to partner with God. Well, why would God tell them to dig some ditches? Okay, well, we keep, we keep reading. Verse 17, for this is what the Lord says. You need to dig some ditches. This is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind. Remember, they need water. Okay? You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. All right, what God is saying is, look, you want water? I'm going to give you water. But you're going to have to do a little prep work here. Because I'm going to send some water, and it's going to flow down this valley and it's going to keep flowing on down this valley unless you dig some trenches for the water to go into. I'm going to give you water, but if you don't have a place to gather it, it's not going to do you any good. And here's what I'm thinking about 2016 for us. What I want God to do, what we want God to do, usually is a magic trick, just bring the rain. What God may be asking us or giving us is a work order. We want a magic trick, and he's giving us a work order. He's calling them to do something in preparation of the miracle that, that he's going to send to them. So, so you should evaluate your enemy, figure out who it is, estimate what your potential is. Don't give up when you feel like it. But the, the last thing is you may need to do some prep work to create places for God to do his miracles. Man, when I'm, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, how many miracles have I missed because the water just flowed on by and I didn't create any place to put it? Make this valley full of ditches. Make it full of ditches. This is 2 Kings 3.16, interestingly enough. Like John 3.16, there's a whole lot of interesting 3.16s in the Bible. you got to go and do something. Here's what, the God, here's what God says. You won't see a rainstorm. Don't wait for the clouds. You're not going to know, but God is going to fill this valley up with water, and you will be refreshed. You just have to have some place to put it. And then Elisha, with the aid of his harpist, said this. This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Okay? This is a simple matter for God. Can God send water? Absolutely. Can God take care of whatever it is in your life? Absolutely he can do that. It's easy for God. And you believe that and I believe that. So what should we do? We should dig some ditches so that there's room for him to work. We'll give you some examples. Let's say you're in a bad way financially. What should you do? You could rob a bank. Somebody sent me this. I have a sleep apnea machine. A guy walked into a bank in Wisconsin 
I promise you, and rob the bank in his sleep apnea mask. Isn't that wonderful? Um, I, I guess it does make for a good... You could do that, or you could take it to God and say, God, in 2016, the, the Moabites for me, the enemy that I'm seeing is finances, and I need your help. I've been marching around for seven days. I'm running around circles. I need your help. Could you please help me? And God might send you a check for a million dollars in the mail, or... He might say, sure, dig some ditches. How about you sign up for Financial Peace University so I can help you learn how to manage your money? Because some of us, he could send all the money he wanted to, and it wouldn't matter because we haven't budgeted it in the first place. He he might say, hey, let's cut up your credit cards. How about you turn off your buy now one click on Amazon.com? How about you dig some ditches and you work with me here a little bit and help me out with this? You're going to dig some ditches. Well, let's talk about your giving. I mean, are you a generous person or is that the last thing on your list? Let's talk about that because, because I told you that's a ditch that you can dig and I will fill it up, but it's going to be up to you. Or how about this? God, uh, 2016, my enemy is pornography. Pornography is going to bring me down in 2016. I know that's my Moab. And God's going to say, that's an easy thing for me. I, I can take that away from you, but you need to dig a ditch. You might need to get some internet accountability. This is, uh, this is what a lot of our staff and myself use right here, triplexchurch.com. I know it sounds weird, but it's exactly what it is, triplexchurch.com. You go on there, you can get a free account, and you can register all of your devices, your phones and everything on this account and, and register it with an email address of somebody that you know and that you trust. And every month they will get an email saying, um, these are all the sites that Tim went to that he shouldn't have gone to. And mine goes to my brother-in-law and, and one of my best preacher friends. And I'm not, I'm not going to let them get an email. So whenever I'm tempted... To go click over on that, you know, link over on that page that seems a little bit risque. Well, I don't have to worry about it because I know I don't want them to get an email. I just dug a ditch, and God, God is taking care of my enemies before I ever get to them. Oh God, how about my marriage? Would you heal my marriage? Sure, I will heal your marriage, but you might need to dig a ditch. You might need to go on a date with your wife. You might need to put on a shirt that has buttons on it for the first time in the last two months, okay? You know, it doesn't have the bears or the Blackhawks on it. And take her to a restaurant where they bring the food to your table. You might need to do that every once in a while and dig a ditch for your marriage, okay? You might need to get some counseling, and we'd love to help you with that. Uh, we've got all kinds of resources available for you. Got a daughter getting married this summer. Uh, I mean, she's heard a million times. When you get to a situation where you've got some problems in your marriage, go find somebody to talk to. We will help you with that. And when you, we will help you with that. Dig a ditch for your marriage. Don't just wait around for God to miraculously zap your marriage and make everything better. Do your part to get ready for God to do his part. Do what he asks you to do so that he can do what only he can do. It's so hard because the last thing they wanted to do was dig a ditch. And I get it, okay? I get it. And I'm preaching to all of us. <laughs> I am. It's easy for God to work, and we know that. It's hard to partner with him. And I was thinking about it this week with our church. I mean, this church has been digging ditches for a long time. 
We started out with a one service in a, in a small auditorium over in Tenley Park, and a big ditch for us was going to two services because everybody was like, oh, no, we're not going to know everybody anymore. And we did that. And then we went to three services, and then we did a generosity campaign to raise money for land, and then we went to four services and five services over there, and, and then we relocated to Orland Park, and we thought, all right, we got this down. We got all this property on Orland Park, and we got a 600-seat auditorium, which is now our children's ministry building. And we went down to four services and filled them up and went to five again and thought, uh-oh, we got to do something. And we had a generosity campaign. And so we built a 2,000-seat auditorium. We thought, this is great. We'll go back to three services. And then we had to go to four services. Then we did another campaign. And we added Lockport. And then we added a fifth service at Orland. And then we added the chapel and more space. And, and then we transitioned two months ago our Lockport campus to our Homer Glen campus in less than two months. Unbelievable the things that happened. And this weekend, you are a part of adding a sixth service at, at, at this Orland campus. I mean, this is crazy. Not very many churches have six weekend services, and certainly not very many of them have six weekend services in a 2,000-seat auditorium. What, should, what, what do we do? We keep digging ditches and you know what we're going to do in April? We're going to raise more funds so that we can go start a campus in New Lenox, Schoolhouse and Lairway. It's going to be incredible. It'll be just like the Homer campus, and it'll be another big ditch for us to be able to allow God to fill things up. And when I think about all this, it kind of makes me tired, i got to be honest. But we've been digging ditches here for 26 years. And you know what God has done in those 26 years? He did that, okay? The graph went up and to the right. That's what he did. We started adding a service back in there, like 94, something like that, and we started slowly just growing and doing things, and God has made us one of the fastest growing churches and one of the largest churches in the country. And we got up to the last couple of years, and we realized, uh-oh, we're, we're, we're not able to add any more people who need to find Jesus, so what should we do? We added Homer, we added a service. I can't wait to see what God has done this weekend. I can't, you know, 3,000 more people in a, in a Christmas Eve service. Why? Because we dug some more ditches. Because our volunteers worked a little bit harder, did some extra duty, and we dug some ditches. We take out this Next Steps card in your bulletin for a second because I want to ask you something. Um, you guys are the rock stars already anyway because you're at the 1230 service. But, but I want to I, I ask you to think about serving if you haven't served, all right? We're going to need about 400 more volunteers to be able to do what we're doing at Homer and here. Uh, and, and the problem is, uh, you know, we got people doing double duty this weekend. we got volunteers jumping in, but, but we're going to need a lot more help. Would you think about jumping in and, and serving? And they're like, I don't even know what I could do or whatever. Just check that box and give us your email address, and somebody will get you a little survey. You can say, these are the things I'm interested in. There's no pressure. But we need a lot of help as we head into, the, you know, this new ditch that we're digging. We, we need, we'll help you identify a place along the way. And, and at the Homer Camp, as well. We need a bunch of volunteers, especially with kids ministry, uh, if we're going to be able to pull this off because we want everything to be the same quality. We're going to have to do that. We're going to step it up because we got to have more ditches ready. This is really, really important. And, and I would even let you serve at this service and go to the 1030. I'll give you a little sticker that says, PT said I could come to the, to the 1030, so leave me alone, okay? I'll give you that if you want because I'm a servant. We need some help, all right? The second one is maybe you should think about Homer. 
Um, think about, not Simpson, Homer Glenn. Think about Homer Glenn. Think about going over and being a part of the campus that's, that's happening over there. It's exciting. God is blowing the doors off. I'm getting text messages from over there and the things that are going on. Really, really exciting. Maybe you should think about doing that because uh, you live over that way or you just want to be a part of it. We could use some help. And the last one is I will pray about being part of New Linux. My, my guess is that we're going to have to tell people to stop going to New Linux because it's so, so many people live down that way and whatever. But I want, I want you to pray about being a part of that. And Pastor Richie, as they go plant a campus down there, I'm thankful for our ditch diggers. Some people come to church and they just want, want the rain. But the, but the ditch diggers are the ones who go, okay, if God's going to bring the rain, we're going to have to have a place to put it. And I'm excited about 2016. I started that way. Never been more excited about it. I don't even know if I have any grandkids on the way. Maybe I do, but I don't know that I do right now. I'm still excited about 2016. I think God is going to blow us away. Uh, I feel the same way about 2016 as this kid did about tasting bacon for the first time. I mean, oh, yeah, that's how I feel about 2016. It's going to be incredible. You want to know the rest of the story? The people did what God asked them to do. They made trenches, even though they were tired, trusting that God would fill it up. And that's exactly what happened. Now, as it happened in the morning when the grain offering was being offered, that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. And they were able to to get the water as it was coming by, but they also had trenches for the water to go in so that they could water their animals and they could have enough water to be ready for the rest of the journey. It's such a great story. And God came through, but it gets even crazier. Remember this verse? It says, this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. All right, here's the coolest thing about partnering with God. When you ask him to do something and you partner with him and he watches you dig trenches, dig a ditch, he watches you do the things he's asked you to do, he will do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. It's such a crazy scene. They didn't ask for God's help with the Moabites. All they asked for was water. And God, these guys, are the three kings are encamped like on the edges of this valley, and God sends the Moabites. He confuses the Moabites. They see the water. They think it's blood. I don't know, because of the sun or whatever. They're like, oh, they've all killed each other. They think these three kings that didn't get along that well decided to have a battle. They think there's blood in the valley, and they were rushing into the valley right into the middle of their camps. I mean, the Lord literally delivered the Moabites into their hands. They didn't ask for that. It was just a little added bonus. Oh, yeah, now you hardly have to do anything. So the water boy prophet and the three kings get the victory. Why? Because they finally got desperate enough to call out to God. Absolutely. But also because when he asked them to do something very simple, they did it. It wasn't rocket science. Anybody can dig. They just dug. Everybody can dig. Can you imagine right now if you knew that God was going to do a miracle in some area of your life, would you not grab a shovel and start digging? I think the more desperate you are against that enemy, the more you would dig. And I don't know what this means for you. I really don't. And I know it's crazy because you're already tired, you're already worn out, you've been circling for seven days, and and you're done. I I get that. It's the last thing you want to do. But if God asks you to do it, he's going to bring the resources. And if they hadn't done it, they would have not had any water, and they would have had to fight their own battle. So if you're in a dark valley and can't see rain coming, then, then do what God asks you to do. Dig some ditches. 
Elisha said, make this valley full of ditches. You'll neither see wind or rain. Okay, Scripture says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You don't have to see it to believe it. Quit waiting for the clouds and then, and then running out to try to dig your, dig your ditch. Do what God asks you to do ahead of time, what God's commanded you to do ahead of time, and, and, and do the obedience thing first and then watch him fill up the trenches. Now, here's the deal about celebrating a new year. Your desk might not be cleaned off. Your inbox not be, might not be empty. You know, you got to go back to the, the same old life. But we do get a new shot with God every day. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So we're going to do communion here in, in just a second. We're going to do a, a little worship and then we're going to do communion. And this is, this is the most appropriate way to start the new year. It absolutely is. I mean, I, I got the... Kiss my wife, you know, at midnight. We, we got the toast. I had most of my family around. I did fall asleep on the couch before it got to midnight because it was a little late for an old guy like me. But I, I made it, got back up again, and, and I, you know, I, I was able to celebrate the new year. But this is the part that's really, really important. This is about how your new year is going to change when we take communion in just a second. Because to him who is able to, be, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And that's what we celebrate this new year. Let's pray. Lord, I really am... I, am, I was tired coming into this and thinking, man, I don't know how this 1230 service is going to go, but our staff and, and these people and you all worked together. We dug a ditch and filled it up, and you just proved to me for the millionth time that when you ask us to do something and we do it, you bless it. So as we take communion especially during this service right now. Um, it's going to mean a lot to me because I know that you are doing immeasurably more than all I could ask or imagine. And I know that you do that in my life all the time, and I pray for the people as we're here, as we start into this new year. If they haven't experienced it, if they haven't gone that extra little bit and dug that little trench and watched you fill it up, Lord, let this be the year. Let us all be gathering back together at the beginning of next year, looking back on 2016 and giving glory to you for the water that you filled the trenches with and the enemies that you defeated, even the ones we didn't ask you to defeat. I pray this in your name. Amen.